Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Change your heart It will astound you Some people absolutely love eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Others find it strange. Both are correct. It is a weird movie from the brain trust combination of Charlie Kaufman, Michelle Gondry, and Pierre Bismuth, writing an off-kilter romantic story set in the world roughly of today. It centers on a character called Joel Barish, played off-type by Jim Carrey. He's in his early 30s, has a McJob, lives in New York, and has a general sense of boredom with his life. And one day on a train back from Montauk, Long Island, he meets a young woman, Clementine Krasinski, played by Kate Winslet. Hi. I'm sorry? I just said hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Okay, if I sit closer? How far are you going? Uh, Rockville Center. Get out. Me too. Really? What are the odds? Do I know you? Do you ever shop at Barnes & Noble? Sure. That's it! Yeah? I've seen you, man. Book slave there for like... five years now. Oh. Jesus. I would thought I would remember you. Five years? It might be the hair. What might? It changes a lot, the color. That's why you might not recognize me. It's called Blue Ruin. Right. Snappy name, huh? I like it. She's gregarious, a little strange, a bit disorganized, overt. He's quiet, kept to himself, nervous. But they form a relationship. This relationship develops into a love affair, and it spoils. And here's where the meat and potatoes of Eternal Sunshine shows up. The gimmick of the movie is that there is a service provided by a man called Dr. Howard Mierzwak. That's Tom Wilkinson. His service is to meticulously, like a scalpel, remove memories that are unwanted from a person so they can etch-a-sketch their lives and start over again. And what we spend the balance of the movie Eternal Sunshine working through is the fact that Clementine has done this. Joel doesn't know it, and when he uncovers the fact that she has ritualized the removal of his experiences alongside her from her own mind, he undergoes the same treatment. But that's where things get sticky, both because the narrative of the movie goes back and forth in time, and because we're watching a character sift memories that have been removed to try to find leftover clues that might help him reopen and organize those missing memories and establish what he's gone missing, the great love event of his life with Clementine. Along the way, we meet a host of characters who work for the Doctor. This includes a man named Patrick, played by Elijah Wood, a man named Stan, played by Mark Ruffalo, and a woman named Mary, played by Kirsten Dunst. Key to the whole dynamic here is realizing that we also have a parallel story. Not only has the good doctor provided a public service to help people rid themselves of unwanted memories, the death of a beloved pet, 
the end of a romantic relationship. He's performed this in his own life on his extramarital affair, and that's Mary, Dunst's character, who is his administrator in the office. She doesn't know this. So in the background, she's privately putting together clues that she and the good doctor once had a relationship and blows that up by taking audio records that patients have recorded of themselves to help the doctor and his staff remove memories and shares those audio recorded records with all past clients, including Joel and Clementine. What they realized by listening to the audio tapes they recorded before they underwent this procedure is that they both agree mutually they did love each other, and they both agree mutually that their relationship soured. And what we end up with at the conclusion of the movie, after all of these back-and-forth adventures through time and romance and the dissolution of romance in these two character lives, is the fact they make a choice to stay together nonetheless. I'm not a concept, Joel. I'm just a fucked-up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. I'm not perfect. I can't see anything that I don't like about you. But you right will. Right now, I can't. But you will. You know, you will think of things, and I'll get bored with you and feel trapped because that's what happens with me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. One of the key features that makes the movie enjoyable is the fact that as we travel through Joel's memories, and that's our primary point of focus, we see his memories being erased right in front of his eyes, meaning characters we meet in one scene get replayed later in the movie and they're losing the details of their face or the background is literally disappearing before our very eyes. Trains begin to run backwards. Odd objects begin to appear. Some characters known from one of the timelines appear in the wrong timeline, particularly as Joel is in the middle of the treatment that is erasing his memories. When Joel and Clementine team up and realize they want to put a stop to this effort, they decide they're going to go into deep secrets in their private lives they have not shared and try to find a way out. The eraser guys are coming here, so... What if you take me somewhere else, somewhere where I don't belong, and we hide there till morning? Man, I can't remember anything without you. That's very sweet, but try, okay? Okay. Whereupon the movie gets truly weird. We watch Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, adults, in forced perspective, playing children, reenacting features of Joel's childhood in order to get around the erasure of Joel's memories. And all of this rests on certain iconic locations. The doctor's office, Joel's apartment, a car that has hit a hydrant, a particular vacation house in Montauk that the couple keeps revisiting. All of which is to say, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a story about how we tell stories. And much of the action of the movie is characters describing the parts of their lives they wish to revise or remove, very much like an editor sitting over a sentence at a computer screen. It is a metatext 
about the very nature of storytelling, in particular through the form of a romance. Now a sidebar. I've had several romantic experiences with other people in my life, not just objects of affection or stars I'll never meet. And the point of emphasizing that is to also allow myself to share with you that romance is not often performed or experienced the way that we've been taught it works in mass media. Romance is often tangled. It involves the wickedness of interpersonal cruelty and also the charm and beauty of great kindness, physical attraction and repulsion, boredom and great excitement all roll together to make most romances stick. And the fact that this movie wades into that morass of human experience and acknowledges that a good number of our coupling experiences as a people are messy. And the lesson of this movie's deeper theme is we push through that dissatisfaction and give it a shot anyway, because the highs may yet outweigh the lows. All of that is wound around the way that we see Joel learn how he has allowed somebody else, the doctor and his staff, to rewrite his personal history as a story that we are watching as Joel is trying to rewrite the revision of the story and rewrite himself, making his life turn out the way he would prefer, which has a bittersweet quality of ending and also of beginning. So... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is not for every taste. Some folks will find the nonlinear story difficult to manage because a lot rests on the color of Winslet's hair scene to scene. Others may object to the vocabulary and the profanity that some of the speakers use in describing their interpersonal affairs. Others may object to the weird quality of seeing Frodo and the Hulk in the background cast, and still others simply won't accept that Jim Carrey tries to play it straight, while Kate Winslet seems like a kind of obnoxious young person. All of the performers in this cast are well known to us, and yet, if we can place ourselves in the mind of the original audience receiving this movie in 2004, thinking about its odd lessons and realizing that this is a twisted romantic story about telling romantic stories that is nonetheless itself a romantic story, we've got it. Why do I fall in love with every woman I see who shows me the least bit of attention? Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boopity-doo!